Pitch Deck Asia. Your story, your words. Boom, we're live. This is Pitch Deck Asia. My name's Graham Brown. Joined today by Tay Sijun and Jane Pei. They are from the Woof Agency. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for having us. It's great to have you here. You're something a bit different. You're oh. different because, well, I think you were actually going to bring a dog, right, into the studio. Yeah, yeah. But, it but it wasn't allowed. Unfortunately, we don't own the building. Mm. Would a great have a dog sitting there in the chair. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> I'm not sure how good it would be at an interview. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, but something else, right? Um, so the Wolf Agency, it kind of gives a little bit away about what we're going to talk about today. Mm. Um, uh, let's start with the, the basics. You two both are dog owners, right? Yes, we yeah, are. we're huge dog lovers. What, what tell us a little bit about your dogs that you have in your house? Um, our house, yeah. like we have a Chow Chow, which yeah. is milky and eight months old, 25 kilos, very high maintenance, very stubborn dog, yeah. but cute. Yeah, and we should get a picture up actually. I think it's on your pitch deck, right? On the at the end in your, yeah, your photo, I think right? in our good photo. Yeah. I'm just gonna jump right forward. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. So here we go. There we go. Yep, yeah, yeah, so there's yeah. Milky. <laughs> yes. That's uh, how milky. old was he in that photo? Eight months. Eight months. Yeah. yeah. But there's a lot more left in growth there, right? Yes. So he's still a little papa. <laughs> still. Still. He's almost as big as you, Tay. <laughs> still a young pup. Right. How about yourself, Tay? What's your dog there? No, nah, that's actually, um, I was volunteering at a oh, shelter okay. in Singapore. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. I took a picture there. I used to have a Singapore special. What's yeah. a Singapore special? Uh, a mongrel. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah. we call it the Singapore special. <laughs> yeah. a, a, a hybrid, right? Yeah, hybrid. Okay, yeah. cool. So obviously you're both dog lovers. Um, the Wolf Agency, what exactly is that? So uh, we're actually a full service uh, influencer marketing agency, yeah. but we only work exclusively with pets. Right. So we call them our uh, pet fluencers. Pet fluencers. Yep. Correct. So what we do is actually uh, we connect brands to our network of influencers based on uh, what they want. So for example, if a brand wants to target a certain uh, specific uh, country or they want to work with influencers with uh, special requirements, so that's yeah. when we come in with our expertise and we curate and select like the best profiles for a certain campaign. Excellent. Mm. We're going to have a look at your pitch deck in a minute. We're going to look through the, the market, the problems, the solution and so on. Um, just help me understand, a pet influencer. <laughs> what, help uh, You know, if I go onto Instagram and I see there's a lot of accounts there which are just like featuring only mm. pets, often they're dogs, right? Yep. Mm. And there could be like two of them together or yep. just one, but yep. it's like their life. Mm. Is that what we're talking about? Are those pet influencers, pet fluencers? Yeah, yeah, correct, pet fluencers. So um, basically for us, right, we only accept profiles that are fronted by a pets. Right. So we don't accept any human uh, influencers or human profiles or if like your full kit is just a by the way thing. So it needs to be fronted by the right. pet. So it's really about like your pet's life. Okay, uh, but mm. obviously human beings have to contact you, right? The yes, pets aren't the doing pet this owners. We haven't yeah. got to that stage yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and, and I know it's called the Wolf Agency and you talk about pets, mm. just so I understand, is it just dogs or is it mostly dogs? I mean, how does it sort of break down in terms of the world of pet fluences? No, we don't only have dogs. We have, um, dogs, we have cats, we yeah. have a hedgehog. A hedgehog. We, yeah, we have a hedgehog. We still got, uh, 
rabbits, yeah, rabbits hamsters, hamsters birds. Yeah, birds yeah but i guess like a uh, majority of our influencers are dogs and cats because they are um more popular yeah as as pets um amongst like individuals but yeah. we do have a few um outliners like okay. the hedgehog the hedgehog, yeah. the hedgehog. The yeah. hedgehog. Yeah, he's doing yes. all right, is he? He's like <laughs> What does a hedgehog influence people about? Uh, I think it really depends. Uh, it boils down to like the personality and the profile if of, uh, of each of the pet. Right. So, for example, um, there's a corgi that's in LA. It's called Pai Pai. So, what he does is that he goes around cafes, um, eating a uh, food, going on food dates with uh his parents. Yeah. So that's you know like his profile is really about going on uh food trips. And then I think there's also a very famous uh hedgehog that has recently passed on, uh Mr. Pokey. So what he does is that he's the world's uh happiest traveler. So he travels around the world with uh his parent, his yeah. mother, and I think like all his trips are sponsored. Sponsored. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> there you go. And what's the strangest pet that's ever been sort of proposed to you that you didn't expect? Because mm, you're talking about fluffy things, right? They're mm, not all fluffy, though, are they? Yeah, I think as of now, not really. Yeah, yeah but I know of um, there are people who keeps like snakes, yeah. pigs, all these as pets as well. Uh, even llama. So, but for now, we don't really have a really special or unique pets under our network. Right. Mm. I think a hedgehog's pretty special, right? It's, it's a bit unusual. <laughs> They're not even native to Singapore. Do you have hedgehogs here in Singapore? No, I don't I think. Know, yeah, Singapore, yeah. you yeah. can't have a hedgehog. Yeah, yeah, you've probably never seen one in the wild, right? Mm. There you go. No, not in Singapore. Um, the influencer was from California, I think. Oh, US. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm excited to lift the lid on the world of pet influencers and the Wolf Agency. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can start. Uh, let's have a look at the pitch deck. And... Um, Let's sort of jump back to the start because I think there's an interesting point about the actual size of the market here. So if we go to like slide three, and bear in mind, some people are actually listening rather than watching this. So sometimes you might have to be a bit descriptive. The whole pet market, we know it's big. Mm. How big? Let's talk about that. Put some numbers here. 202.6 billion uh, global pet market by 2025 estimated. Currently, the data for the US alone, if I'm not wrong, if I remember wrongly, I think it's $80 billion this year. Yeah. Influencer marketing, 5 to $10 billion they estimate by advertiser spending by 2020. And most advertisers are actually increasing their influencer marketing budget actually year on year. If I'm not wrong, there was a 16% increase every year from 2015 onwards. So most brands are actually recognizing the power of influencers what can they do for the brand? How can they actually market to their target audience more effectively and more warmly? Because yeah. then the day when you run a Facebook ad or run an Instagram ad, it's coming across very cold. Yeah, so people might just scroll past it. It might become part of the noise. But when you're marketing through an influencer, when people are following them, they can actually be more effective in driving your brand value across. Because they'll be following them for maybe a year. They want to see, they grew up with a pet, for example, or if it's human, they move on with what they want. They look at what they buy for some makeup brands and then they actually see, hey, actually this makeup brand makes this influencer very pretty. So yeah. maybe I want to purchase it, you know. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So step back a little bit and look at those numbers again. 200 billion, more or less, pet market yep. within the next five years. Within that, the five to 10 billion influencer market, is that influencers or that pet influencers? Influencers. Within that, you're a subset, which is, the new area of pet influences, right? Yep. And so I can understand it a bit better is that 
petfluencers, what typically are they selling? Are they selling pet food? Yeah, I would say the most uh, easy vertical to work with for pet influencers are pet food, right. but definitely not limited to them. Because for example, um, in the US, Toyota actually worked with a pet influencer called Loki. So when they did market research, they realized that around 60 to 70% of their SUV owners were also pet owners. Yeah, there you yeah. go. So they actually gave the owner of this dog, Loki, a car, a four by four runner, a four runner, and then they actually asked them to market it through their network. Right. Yeah. They didn't give the dog the car. Though, they didn't did give the dog the oh, car. Right. They gave the owner the car. <laughs> but I believe the dog actually benefited some way. Uh, yeah, from yeah, it. yeah. So, no, I think this is an interesting meta trend mm. that's happening globally, and particularly here in Asia, mm. is that there, there's a lot of things going on that are really driving. Um, you know, the increase in pet ownership maybe and how we sort of view pets and our relationship with pets, right? So I know, for example, you, you've mentioned like the pet's parents mm -hmm. and people see pets as their kids, their children, right? That, I mean, because I'm older than you, not being patronizing, that's new, right? You go back 20 years, people didn't talk like that, right? Mm. That's a new thing. And that's one thing. And then there's this sort of meta shift, which is, you know, people are having less children um, and pets are becoming a part of people's families, hence the sort of changing relationships yeah. that people have with them, right? And especially mm. here in Asia, you know, I lived some time in Japan, which is sort of like demographically very similar to Singapore as well, right? So, you know, across the world, people are aging, you know, they're having more pets and they're treating them like their families and so on. So there's this meta trend, add to that, the fact that these pets have their own social media accounts now. <laughs> yeah. So you've got this sort of people look at pets as some strong emotional connection. Mm. And that means that for brands like, you know, a Toyota or a, a auto brand, there's an opportunity there if they get it. Yeah. So um, just so we understand before we jump into the problem side of it, you know, these pets, how many followers do they have on social media? Um, so for us, we actually represent a spectrum of uh, influencers from different um, categories. So there's the everyday influencers, there's the nano, micro, and macro. So uh, we do have a uh, we do represent the world's uh, some of the world's most famous uh, pets. So for example, Maya Polar Bear is this Samoyed from Germany. Yeah. She has one point two million followers on Instagram, and she has two point one million followers on uh, TikTok. Which is wow, this? Yeah. Uh, wow. yeah, which She's is on the TikTok. platform. Yeah, correct. So, um, it's quite amazing because I think, like, like you mentioned, people are really gravitating towards uh pets ownership as compared to having a child. Mm. Um, people are getting married later. They don't want to have kids so early. I met up with a lady who started her own PR firm. So she's about in her mid thirties. She's with her husband. They don't have kids, but they have seven cats. Wow. So that's the reality of what's happening right now in the landscape. Um, recently, over the weekend, we just went over to Pet Expo. We spoke to a lot of our um, influencers because they also happen to be there. And it's just crazy because um, as pet owners, we really are willing to spend a lot of money on our pets. We really see them as family members. And... Yeah, it's just um, this whole new shift in terms of the concept in mm. the landscape. And I think that um, it's, it's really an up and new rising, uh, is a new and uprising uh, trend right now on social media. And that's why we feel that there's a lot of traction and potential uh, when it comes to pet influences. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely in the right place at the right time. You're a little bit ahead of the curve as well. Yes. Which I think is important. 
Okay, so let's dive in. Let's have a look at the the problem itself. I'm, I'm going to just jump around the pitch deck a little bit. I know your problem statement comes next, but before we get there, I think we sort of preface that a bit where you talk about SMEs um, on slide eight. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead of myself here. There we go. Um, slide eight. There we go. This one. Okay. Mm. So... Um, Let's have a look at this and then look at the problem itself. You're saying that SMEs are being cast aside because they don't have huge budgets. We talked about the size of the pet market mm. and the influencer market as well. What's the issue here, particularly with SMEs, and why are they getting ignored? Yeah, I think um, because when it comes to the pet verticals, there are actually a lot of homegrown brands. Yeah. So if you were to hop onto social media, uh, not just in Singapore, but also uh, we are seeing it happening in, say, like Australia and US, whereby people are setting up their own um, businesses, uh, home-based businesses selling maybe uh, pet treats or pet supplies or they're offering like pet services and things like that. But because um, they are not huge MNCs, they don't have a lot of money to spend on marketing budget. And that's where, you know, like they are, influencer um, out there um, they are macro they charge maybe a few thousand dollars if you want to work with an agencies uh, you have to pay them probably tops four thousand and above so for them they just don't have the capacity mm. and luxury to um, work with such a huge amount so what we are building now is actually we um, actually we are at a pilot stage but we created a platform whereby we invite all these uh, SMEs to come on board. They can create a listing. So in return for sponsored products or services, they actually can engage uh, the everyday influencers. So basically the pet profiles with a lesser following, like maybe just a few hundreds. But the thing is that because the pets community, at least in Singapore, it's a very um, small uh, community. Everyone knows each other. So in a way, uh, we are trying to advocate, um, you know, like the uh, viral, like going viral, the word of of marketing and really mm. getting like real people and customers on the ground to test your products and see what they think about it. So in return for sponsored products, usually they'll have to do one Instagram post whereby, you know, like they just try to help you to raise your brand awareness, to talk about your stuff so that you kind of cut through the clutter. At the same time, they also have to do a review of how they really feel about a product, say on their Google page or their Facebook page, which we feel that um, testimonials and reviews, they are actually a great thing for SMEs because mm. that's where you build up your credibility with your audience okay um we'll have a look at the pitch deck and uh if we can go back in to the the problem statement here this is where we're going to start so this is what you're identifying right they can't afford to go to large ad agencies mm. and then you're building them a platform to do that so who's getting paid here uh so there's actually oh, okay there's actually uh, two parts to the business. So there's also like, for instance, the agency whereby um, like, for example, the agencies, it would usually be MNCs who have more budget. Yeah. They want to work with uh, influencers with a larger following. So those are the ones where they'll come to us and we'll provide them with the end-to-end -end, uh, service. But for the platform, it's really more for SMEs or home-based businesses. So they don't really have the budget, but they are willing to sponsor free products in return for reviews and um, you know a shout out on the influencers. Instagram. So usually for this platform, uh, 
nobody really gets paid. Yeah. Yeah. But then um we do engage our community and the influencers to enjoy all these like sponsored products. And at the same time, you know, like they feel that oh, like my my kid is a celebrity, is a star. Yeah. I like it, and I like to talk about. I like to try out all these new things. I want to see, you know, like what's out there in the market. I want to share um really good things, really good services and products with my other friends. So I think like for the platform is really us build trying to build an ecosystem to facilitate and to advocate. You know that hey, you know like um the spirit of sharing. Like if you know of something good, like uh just share it with your other friends because um we want again like tying back to our brand mission, we want to lower the existing barriers to owning a pet. Right. Yeah. Okay. So if you're a pet owner, mm. you're you have a, a following. You're going to get a lot of stuff from <laughs> brands who want you to try this out because you influence other people. That's how it works, right? Um, on the actual pitch deck, you know, you talk about the solution itself. If we jump back in there, um, this is what you are in terms of the product side. So the platform itself, is that what you are? I mean, what's the sort of extent of what you're doing? How do you make money out of this? So for one, uh, we have two actually models that we have. One is the agency side and one is the platform side. Right. So for the agency side, usually we work with those brands that are sponsoring products and giving money. So usually these kind of uh, brands, they have a um, bigger budget, maybe a few thousand dollars. And then from there, we take a cut, maybe 10%, 50% commission uh, from them. And that's how we earn money from there. For the platform, actually, is for us to bridge the gap between pet influencers and the smaller brands who can't afford to pay so much. But the smaller influencers, those that, let's say, have a thousand followers or 5,000 followers, they're just as effective as mm. those macro influencers who has a million. They have very loyal following they have very high engagement rate they have people that follow them uh, when they froze from small and they grew up you know so they actually believe in a product that they sponsor or rather they market so with that we realize that uh, hey brands who come on board you never engage all these uh, smaller influencers it's quite a waste for you you mm. see yeah so from there the platform we actually uh, try to automate their campaigns and we try to reduce their costing so if you have to find your own influencers as a smaller brand it's going to be tough because you don't know who are the people that are actually effective for you. So for example, if you are a US brand, you want to use a US influencer, the following might be majorly from, let's say, Singapore. And that's mm. not going to be effective for you, you see. Yeah. So, so you're sort of, if you can get everybody on the platform, you mm. could have a complete set and yeah. a long tail of potential influences, right? If yes. I went on there, I mean, I'm just sort of joking a little bit. If I said, look, I need a spider in the Netherlands, <laughs> like Amazon, yep. you would have that. Yeah. In the future, if you had enough coverage, yes, you know, if this right. was like, if this scaled right up, mm. that, you know, I know that, okay, they've got it covered. That spider might only have like 10,000 um, followers, mm. but if I was marketing products relevant to them, for me, that's perfect, right? And as an individual agent, as an individual brand, very difficult for me to go and find that. Yes. Right. Just luck, really, mm. to go out and find that. It's like, you know, just kind of stabbing in the dark, yeah. right? That sort of platform that you're building, mm. that is that sort of where you're going with it? If you can have complete coverage globally, yes, all correct. different kinds of pets, different locations. Mm. Let's yeah. say not, not go to the spiders. Let's say for dogs. Okay. Yeah. Like you don't even know which country this dog is from. 
Yeah, so that's one problem. And for example, dogs with anxiety, such a qualitative factor. You cannot identify it through Instagram and all that stuff. But we, if we have that full set of data information, we can actually provide this kind of information to brands to make sure that they are using the correct people. Mm. So actually, we were talking to um, Golin from Texas, who is marketing the PR agency for Nestle Purina. So they wanted to get engage uh, dog influencers who has anxiety issue because they want to market this supplement. Yeah, so they came to us because they couldn't find anybody. How do you determine a dog has anxiety issues? Mm. And they're not going to talk to like 100 people because they don't have the time to do that. Yeah, so they came to us and say, hey, we actually do have dogs in the US that has anxiety issues. So we actually provided this information to them. So there is a gap in the information mm. and data that the Instagram could provide for the brands and the quality factors which, which they cannot provide. Well, where would they go normally? Before you, if mm. I was Nestle Perina, where would I go for this information? What would be the obvious channels, even though they're not necessarily the best ones? Mm. How would they go about that? Yeah, I would say they have to go direct, individually, right. each dog influencers and ask them. Yeah. And ask them. You maybe have to ask like, 20 or 30 before you can even find one that's relevant Yeah, I think maybe like what we are doing here is really like trying to help brands like this. I mean like we do recognize that there is a obviously a gap in the market because they want to reach out to all these uh, individuals or rather like this all these like dog profiles with very specific requirements but uh, there is no one platform whereby they are able to just tap right in and mm. get whatever information that they need. So that's where we come in um, as the Wolf Agency to fill in the gap. We have a network of more than 500 influencers across 25 markets as of now. So we have a variety of um, profiles which will suit a specific campaign needs. So for example, when um, the brand Nestle came to us, it was very easy for us to pick out exactly um, who are the pups that would be suitable for their campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than them, you know, like spending maybe um one day really going through all the profile, reaching out to each of the potential influencer directly. Some of them may already um have existing uh campaigns or sponsorship with a competing brand. And yeah, there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of back and forth. So what we're trying to do here is really just try to streamline the entire process. Yeah. Great. Mm. Excellent. Let's see how far you've come hmm. in this whole journey. Um, when did you start? Uh, we actually started last year, Q3. Q3. So we are still a very young company. So you're what, just under nine months? Yeah. Yeah, around Six there. to nine months. Yes. Okay, so it's early days, right? Yep. And um, until now, how did you fund the business? Was it out of your own savings, bootstrap? Did you have investment already? Initially, we were funding it out of our own savings. Uh, after a while, we went to approach Neon Incubator because yeah. they had a $10,000 incubator grant and they went to pitch to them. So we got it. Yeah. So with that, we got a first set of bootstrap funding for us to go towards the next step. We pitched to Enterprise Singapore. So they had a $30,000 uh, founders grant. So we pitched to that. We went through the first panel, second panel, and in the end, we got it also. So yeah. with this first batch of money, we are bootstrapping, actually marketing our product out there and getting more pet influencers into our network. Okay, yeah. good. So um, you have a slide here on the, uh, the pitch deck. Let's go back there on slide six. So a special shout out to uh, Neon Incubator. Yeah, if there's any aspiring that. entrepreneurs, uh, please go to them. So Joanne, uh, Yeming and Andrew, the team, um, very, very helpful. They're, they have a great ecosystem out there to help, um, you know, like founders like ourselves. Yep. Yeah. So, like pet owners. Yes. They special are. Shout out, shout out to them. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, I think as well, I mean, sorry, I'll dive back into the, the journey in a minute, but you, what you do, it's easy to connect with the right people, isn't it? Because if you are a dog lover yeah. and there's a dog lover out there in another business or a fund or whatever, it's easier to, for you to connect, isn't it? That, and it's not easy, but compared to somebody who may just be interested in what you do, there's a sense of connectivity there already, right? So, okay, the um, journey nine months in at max. So bear in mind, we're doing this in March, 2019. So if you're watching in the archive, then that's all change. Mm. Um, let's have a look at where you are now in the growth. So talk us through some of these numbers. Um, you talked about 500 pet influencers, including the hedgehog. Yes. And so that's the hedgehog. Yeah, that is the hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> is that your, is that your most popular pet or what, what's the sort of the Kim Kardashian of your stable, if you like, mm. your portfolio? I think the Kardashian would be Maya, uh, which is the Samoyed there. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, Pookie from Taiwan. It's a very famous cat with about 600 plus K followers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they would be our Kim Kardashians. Yeah. Right. How many on the Samoyed? The, the dog? Uh, 1.2 million. 1.2 million. Followers, yeah, yeah, yeah. on Instagram, but 2.1 million on TikTok. Yeah. Yes. Okay, that's the TikTok dog. All right, yes. cool. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, is how, so what sort of content do the owners post of this stuff? Is it just sort of like small sound bites or, you know, how does it work? Just photos or is there sort of a formula there that works? Do you advise people on that as well? Uh, usually for them, like, because these are already, they have already proven that um, people love their content, what they're doing. So when we go to them, we don't really kind of like advise, advise them. Yeah. But rather than that, uh, we try to see which type of campaigns would be best suitable for what they're already producing and engaging with their audience. Got it. Yeah. So um, for example, Maya, like uh, most of her contents are actually video. So she does a lot of, uh, you know, what a fluff challenge. She does the ASMR whereby, you know, like people are just really into it. Like, you know, yeah. like people just love listening dogs. to yes. Maya eating something. Crun yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, we are obsessed as well. Yes. yes, we love it. What, what is that all about? <laughs> <laughs> There's just like that overlap between pets and ASMR, right? Yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, it's just very therapeutic when you yeah, listen yeah. to yeah, them, like crunching cucumbers, for example. <laughs> like, yeah, you just watch the video, like, and you just play on repeat. Right. Yeah, but I think, um, so these influencers have really proven that, yeah. um, whatever right. that they're doing right now are great. Mm. Yeah, so that we just come in to do the matching right. with them. Got yeah. it. So when people come to you, they're already de risked in the sense that you're not having to educate them about how to do you know, their Instagram profiles, they've already got to a level where they have a following. Mm. They know how to do this. They know how to engage. They just need somebody to connect the other end, which is the, the SMEs and the brands and so on. Yeah. yeah. All right. Great. Um, back into the journey, if we can, Barrett, if we can jump back into the pitch deck. So um, you've got some great numbers there and uh, markets as well. You've talked about being in the US here in Asia, it, what would you see just out of interest in terms of markets that are growing really fast at the moment? Are some markets growing faster than the others? Yeah, I'll say US and Australia has a really huge pet market because most of the people are their own dog or a cat. Yeah. yeah. But I think one of the big market that's growing now is China because pet ownership in China, if I'm not wrong, is only standing at 20% and it's growing like 10% year on year. What is it by comparison in like 60-70% maybe? 60-70% in, in the US, yeah. China also love their dogs, you see. Mm. Yeah, so. It's also becoming a bit of a status symbol as well, isn't it? Yeah, correct. That you own a dog, therefore either you have money or you have a house big enough to have that dog, right? Mm. Which is sort of like the implied 
message. Mm. Like you don't get a huge whatever it is, you know, like one of these, maybe like your dog, right? You've got to have space for that. So, yes. <laughs> so in China, you know, that's also a thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. You know, now I can afford to have a dog because mm. I've got an extra mouth to feed, right? Effectively. So. Yeah. I think there'll definitely be a market of people who want to buy a dog just to have a status symbol in yeah. their home. I think there's also a huge market for people in China who just loves dogs and cats yeah. in general and they just want to take care of it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like um, there's a lot of uh, dog advocate, advocacy mm. groups in China that's actually stopping people from like, you know, um, stopping people from like, uh, maybe like adopting the dogs and all the stuff in yeah. China. Very, very plentiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, the whole sort of like shift over there. Because I mean, mm. in, in a lot of countries, animals were just for labor or mm. food, right? Mm. Mm. So to own a, an animal as a part of your family is a new thing, right? So in these economies, that's just growing really fast. So. Yeah. Okay, great. Let's move on. I'm going to jump forward a little bit on the journey slide and talk about some of the companies that you've worked with. Mm. Um, let's focus on the one on the left, that the ones that are, uh, have engaged you mm. already. What, what are you finding? What sort of company, is there sort of a pattern with the type of companies that have engaged you? Do they, you know, come from a certain background? Do they have a certain type of person on board? Or is it just the fact that the person who's writing the checks has a dog? <laughs> you know, there's a bit more to it than that. I would say that the most of the companies that came to us or ones that we approach are actually mostly dog verticals because they are the low hanging fruit. We yeah. get them on board. We don't educate the market that there's such a platform out there for them to market their product. Um, surprisingly, there's a lot of US brands that came to us. We didn't reach out to them because they wanted to leverage the influencer yeah. market. Medicorp signed a partnership with us just um, last month or two months ago. Yeah, so we are under their Bloomer SG network, which is their social media arm. And we are featured on Yellow Pages Singapore also. Yeah. Yeah, Polytechnic. Okay, so you've spent, you, you basically said, here are the obvious low-lying fruit, which mm. are the you know, pet food, pet yeah. insurance, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The really interesting growth long-term is the ones that aren't obvious, like the Toyotas. Or yeah. like you've got a whole bunch of people like Dyson and Sega there, for example, like with nothing in their name related to pets, right? Mm, yeah. What's going on there? Why Why is that an interesting area? Why, why are you in talks with these kind of people? What's the, what's missing from what they have already? I think for, let's say Dyson, Dyson wanted, has always been working with influencers, right? To market their product, but they want to showcase something more cute and something with a CSR angle. So with Dyson, they actually, uh, wanted to show that their vacuum cleaners clean up pet fur very well. Yeah. And that's the angle that they're coming in. Correct. And then there's a hair dryer, which is, uh, they say that it's quieter. So yeah. that the, when you blow the hair on your dog to make it dry, it won't be so, uh, the dog won't be so scared, you see. And then it'll be better for the dog or better for the cat. Yeah. So I think there's an interesting space out there. People are recognizing that the pet influencers has a, associated positive feelings with the brands. So they want to leverage on that to make sure that the brands have always been perceived uh, in a very good light. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think now that when I look at Instagram, for example, mm. I do see it. I don't know why I'm getting it, but I do see a lot of videos. You know, like when you look at the search function on Instagram, it gives you like the random world of Instagram. Mm. People drying pets' hair, you know, that seems to be a thing, right? It's like pet manicuring, pet grooming. Yeah. It's a thing, right? There's a lot of that going on. So I can see like with Dyson, how that makes sense, like for a certain type of person, mm. 
you know, they may feel it's worth spending. Th those hair dryers are not cheap, by the way. They're like 800 yeah. bucks. <laughs> so it's a real status thing as well. Wow. So, okay. Well, I love it. The crazy world of petfluence. <laughs> so, yeah. so you've um, been at this now for nine months, six mm. to nine months. Um, before we sort of go into the, the stage about, you know, what happens next, the fundraising and so on. What have you learned in this process? You know, what do you know now about, petfluencers, pet owners, pets that you didn't know when you started out? Mm, I guess like, because uh, before I started a company, I actually was uh, working in the advertising agency. So I do work with like your KOLs, your human influences for certain brands or accounts that I'm leading. Um, but I think with uh, what I really love about the pets community is that the pet owners, um, they really care very deeply for their pet mm. so maybe it's in a sense whereby whatever that they're going to be endorsing it's for their kids so mm. their fur kids um, they are really careful about which brand they want to work with what type of um, you know like pet food what kind of consumables are they really going to be giving them what's the ingredient like really drilling down to the nitty gritty like what's the active ingredients what's the inactive ingredients mm. um, I think they really care um, about what they're being uh what they're talking about so they don't they don't just like accept any campaigns that comes their way they can be very selective mm. because they want to make sure that whatever that they are talking uh fits with their own you know like um whatever that they really believe in so yeah. i think that's one uh, do number have pet influencers rejecting paid campaigns no. because the brands don't align with what they believe in mm. yes yeah. We also have like pet influencers who could have easily earned like a few thousand dollars for a post telling me that nope, because my dog is um, very satisfied with whatever that he's having now, the brand that he's having now. So I'm not going to change it, but thank you for the offer. Mm. So I think that is um, something that, you know, in a way it surprised us, especially since there's a lot of uh, controversial uh, revolving around influencer marketing. Mm. And the second thing is just the fact whereby the community is really, really supportive. Um, so what we do at the Wolf Agency is that we are always trying to improve. So we always like, you know, after a certain campaign, we talk to our influencers. We are very close to the pet owners. We'll say like, hey, you know, like, what do you think we should improve on? What do you think like it's not, we are not doing right? What do you think that we are doing right? And I mean, like, it kind of like surprised me as well that what they really like and they, they would stay with us till the very end is just because like I talk to them like a friend. Like they feel that um I really um treat them as partners. They are not just one of the many influencers under our network. And uh we have a real connection beyond the Instagram walls. And um they feel that they are really a part of this huge community whereby people are supporting each other. They get to know uh more friends. Um, you know, their dog gets to know more friends, they go on outings together. So um yeah, I guess like this too really surprised me in terms because like we all know that there are a lot of um articles talking about how influencers, you know, like um putting them in a bad light. But I think uh, on a positive note, there are really uh people out there who do um really try their best to bring out the best content for their audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Okay. And you're raising funds at the moment? Uh, yes. yes. Okay. So tell us a little bit about that. What's the, uh, what's the ask? What stage are you at? And then, you know, what are you using it for? 
we are at a seed stage, so we are asking for around two hundred fifty thousand. Majorly, you'll be spent dollars. Sing dollars, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Singapore dollars. So majorly, you'll be spent on building out the entire platform. So we not only want uh, to be able to do management in the influencers and the brands, we want to be able to have a chat that connects both of them together. We want to be able to make sure that image upload. Because if you realize that when influencer marketing come into play. The brand has to the brand has to let's say approve the images and if you are working with let's say fifteen or twenty it's gonna be a very difficult process the logistics nightmare because if you need to speak to twenty influencers and then get them to send you the image through Gmail and then you have to manually look through everything and then you have to approve everything individually it's so tedious right so you want to build a platform so that everything is automated everything is one stop you just go in you log in you see who has uploaded the images what are their captions that everything is good what are the hashtags so everything to be able to liars on the platform we want to be able to build that out in the future we also want to build in the payment gateway but i know it's a bit difficult as of this point right now but if you want to we definitely want to build a payment gateway so in the future our agency model can also be put in on the platform and everything can be done right. from there like a self-serve yeah platform right. yes that would be the that would be the ideal yeah that's yeah. what you're working towards yes that's right okay and then um what would be in it for uh what are the, you know, why would somebody invest? Where would be the potential opportunity for them to get their money back? Okay, so the pet market is 200 billion estimated. So if we, let's say, do a 10%, let's say pet brands then spend 10% of their revenue on the advertising, a $20 billion market. Mm. Let's say they spend um, 30% of this on digital marketing. There's going to be around like a $4 billion market. Let's say if half of this digital advertising goes into pet influencers, it's an easy $2 billion market for pet influencer marketing alone just on the pet industry itself. We're not counting the automobiles. We're not counting the beauty industries. All these that might have an alignment with the pet industry. Mm. And we are seeing a shift of most of these uh, non-pet verticals trying to use pet influencers to market their product. Mm. So it's a potentially a really huge market out there. Yeah, as we've mm. seen with Toyota, for example. Yeah, yeah. and also because uh, over at the Wolf Agency, I think we um, are slightly ahead of the curve because it's a new trend, it's a rising trend. So we do have the first mover advantage. Mm. Um, right now, I think we are the Asia's first and also the largest pet influencer marketing agency. And we are also trying to penetrate into the Western markets. And I believe that we have a very good shot at it. Mm. Yes, because we do have um, quite a lot of influencers, famous ones uh, from US, Canada and Europe. Yeah. Okay. Great. And also potentially an acquisition target for a, a WPP or mm. publicist group or whatever who yeah. want that in their portfolio of mm. particular you know channels that they could push out their you know the ad or media spend to right so yeah, I can see that slotting in quite nicely into mm. one of those guys. That's a, I'm just trying to think through the potential <laughs> exits here, right? That's yes. one apart from the IPO and so on. Okay, mm. great. Um, you hiring at the moment as well? I mean, if you're recruiting, are you going to build the platform yourself? Do you need skills? What else do you need in your team? Definitely IT people, programming people who definitely have knowledge in HTML5, JavaScript and Python because we are building the back end and the front end together. So UI, UX people are definitely hiring right now. But we're also looking for interns actually yeah. for our marketing side, our designer interns, copywriting because there's a lot of copywriting when you're dealing with Instagram yeah. captions and all this. Absolutely. Yeah. And do they have to um, have a pet? 
Um, you have to be a pet lover. There's right. the prerequisite for joining the company. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to have one, right? They don't have to have one. It is good if they you can have one. They just aspire to have one <laughs> yeah. by hanging around with you guys, <laughs> right? Yes. Mm. Fantastic. So that was Jane and Tay, everybody, from the Wolf Agency. It was a lot of fun having you guys in Thank the, you. the, Thank the you. studio. Um, wishing you all the best with your ongoing journey. Global domination starts here, <laughs> right? Um and, uh, you know, keep us updated on how that journey goes. Um, we'll put all the details in the show notes. What works for you in terms of how people can reach out to you? What's your sort of preferred channel? Does LinkedIn work for you? Or do, are you not sort of on there regularly or is it email? Um, or what, what works? Yeah, I think they can just drop us an email. Yeah. Or they can contact us via um, the contact us form on our website. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Or you can um, follow us on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, have you got your own pets on Instagram? You, if you got your... your um, chow Chow. Chow Chow, that's it. Yeah, it's called Milky the Cloud. <laughs> that's Milky the, the Cloud. Is that the Instagram handle? <laughs> yes. How many followers do you have? Uh, 100 plus only. <laughs> 100 still, plus? Not yeah. 100,000 plus? No, not yet. Growing at the moment. Oh, yeah. Okay. But um, for us, um, our Instagram handle is called The Wolf Agency. Yeah. So yeah, you can follow us on Instagram. Fantastic. Mm. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank a lot you. of you. you know fun having you in. Privilege hearing about your story. Wishing you all the best. Thank That's you. the Wolf Agency, everybody. We're signing out from Pitch Deck Asia. That was Pitch Deck Asia, powered by Pitch Media Asia. My name's Graham Brown. Pitch Deck Asia is a platform to give startups in Asia a voice. We give them a show to help them tell their story. And if you love these startup stories and like hearing more about the journeys of the founders go and check out our soundcloud channel which is available at pitchdeck.asia slash soundcloud that's pitchdeck.asia slash soundcloud head along to the channel subscribe follow us and feel free to leave a comment or a rating on our channel as well we'd love to hear your feedback